Welcome to the Investing Mastermind podcast. I'm Michelle Markey. And I'm Sina Lundhold. And today we're going to be talking about inversion. And this fancy word basically represents when we take our investment cases of stocks and companies we've studied, and then we do the opposite of all the reasons why we want to invest. We try to destroy all the reasons why we want to invest in a certain stock in order to try to make our investment case as foolproof as possible. Because as much as we might feel in love with a certain company and their products and services, if we just go into it with all the pros of what a company does, we might be blindsided to some of the ugly parts of a company that are not so good and that could eventually reveal weaknesses and reasons as to why it might eventually not be a good investment idea. And part of this concept comes from one of the best investors of all time, Charlie Munger, who was trained as a lawyer. And he was trained that in order to make an a legal case, you have to also be able to argue the other side. And he is quoted in saying, you must force yourself to consider opposing arguments, especially when they challenge your best loved ideas. And so when Charlie said that quote, he is saying that in order to really prove to yourself that you understand a business, you have to be able to argue the other side of it as to why it's not a good business. And so if you can do that successfully, you can assure yourself that it is more likely going to be a better investment after you've gone through this very difficult step of trying to destroy this very much loved idea that you have of you really want to invest in something, but you have to hold yourself back a little bit and consider the other side before you proceed. And so with that, Today is going to be the last part of an ongoing series on Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's investing principles that we've been talking about over the last four episodes. And as we've done before, we've included Cena's checklist about how you go through each of these principles in a stepwise checklist kind of way so that you can build a strong argument and also incorporate these inversion cases so that you can make a really strong investment case. And so with that, let's continue with Sina's checklist on inversion. Yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. So when you open the, the checklist and you can find it in the show, no, show notes, as Michelle mentions, please scroll down to the very last part of the checklist that's called inversion. And the first question in that checklist that gets you started on the your inversion case is what will make this company redundant in the future and what are the risks? So one exercise you can do to answer this question is to check back and see when the price of your wonderful business that you just built a case around, when that stock price fell like an elevator in the past and what caused the stock price to fall. And an example I can give you is uh, Nike, where the stock plunged when a basketball player from the Duke team, his Nike shoe fell apart. It literally fell apart and there was photos of it all over the internet. Thus, his shoe falling apart mean that the company's intrinsic value changed the very moment that the shoe fell apart. Well, 
with Nike, you can probably imagine that they would go back and look through their processes in order to ensure that that would not happen again, to make sure that they make the best quality. What also happened is that shortly after this happened, everybody forgot about it again. It was a huge deal while it happened, but everybody forgot about it almost the next day. Does it mean that no one will ever buy Nike products again? Most likely not, but it's a case where you can look into to the stock price and actually see, okay, it fell at this time. And then you need to think about, okay, because it could have been another example where the company wouldn't recover from it. In this case, it, it was a short crisis. And in this case, investors could take advantage of it. If Nike is a wonderful business, you would have to build a case around it, of course, and not just because I'm mentioning Nike here, you shouldn't buy the stock. For sure, you need to, to do your, your homework. But that's, that's an example of where a stock price falls and you can go in and actually do some research on why it happened. Right. Yeah. And in a similar way, you know, that, that's an example of where Nike may have at one point produced a low quality shoe and that caused um, a question of the company. Is this still a good a quality company that produces quality goods. And in a similar way, if you make other decisions at the management level at say Adidas, there have been some partnerships that they've had with some very well-known people. And some of those partnerships have, have kind of fallen apart. And now Adidas is stuck with a lot of inventory of shoes that are going to be very hard to sell. And, and you have to wonder if you are considering an investment in something like Adidas, can this really hurt Adidas for an extended period of time? Like they could be losing so much money from the fallout of this business partnership that it it may it may cause someone to say that that is this a permanent situation or is this temporary and will this shoe company be able to recover and still be a good quality company in the future? So all of these things are cases you have to ask of how severe is the impact of, of some of these events that occur and is it kind of a death blow? Is it a nail in the coffin and the end of a company or is it just a temporary blip and they will otherwise, you know, figure out the problem and resolve it and then go on to be stronger and better in the future? Like hopefully Nike and Adidas will continue being strong companies in the future. And of course, not advice, but just something to consider, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to build a little bit about what you're saying there is to look at other competitors. Now we're talking about sports goods, right? So look at competitors, which uh, companies in the same industry have experienced hardship or even gone bankrupt uh, in the past. And what was the cause of that? You know, just to build a little bit on looking into other companies and seeing, okay, what actually happened in the past? And because sometimes there's really gold to be found in learning from other companies' mistakes uh, in the same industry. A last thing you can do with this question is to look into the company's KPIs, which is the key performance indicators. Today, companies might have North Stars or OKRs, but in essence, you need to find out how performance is measured in that industry and in this company. Oftentimes it's sales numbers, it's something like net promoter score, daily active users. It really depends on the industry. And if it's the company is within your circle of competence that we talked about in the first series, 
then you might already know the KPIs or it's easy to find them online. And once you find these KPIs, it's interesting to look into, okay, so how has, has businesses failed on these KPIs in the past when they didn't achieve the results of the KPIs? What happened and what could potentially happen for your company if they don't perform on their KPIs? What happened in the past? So we're ready for number two on the checklist. Does the company appeal to me because of personal preference that might be clouding my judgment? And this is also back to a little bit about what you said in the very beginning about Charlie Munger and your most loved ideas. In journalism, we actually say, kill your darlings. Mm. And what that means is for journalists, you might have spent a lot of time writing a text and you you really love part of, of what you created there, a phrase or something like that, but you must delete that part of your text that you really love because it doesn't necessarily add any value to the overall story. It's really, really difficult as a journalist. I know I'm an educated journalist, so it's incredibly tough to kill those darlings. And it's the same thing here where you might have spent a lot of time building your case, going through the checklist. And then at some point you might have found out, ah, there's something here with the ROIC that we talked about in, in one of the previous shows. So go back and listen. The return um, on invested capital. For yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there might be something where you should have probably stopped investigating at that time, but you continued because you had spent so much time or whatever. So this is the point where you just want to pause and see, do I have a bias towards anything here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were talking about some examples of bias where, you know, for example, I really love Costco because I enjoy buying things in bulk and it provides me good savings. And I like the great quality of goods I'm getting for low prices. And that's one of... Costco strong moats, but there could be other kinds of factors that could make Costco not a great investment. So as much as I love Costco and so does Charlie Munger, some of the potential risks to Costco could be other competitors like Walmart, Sam's Club, or BJ's, even though Costco is still way bigger than both of those. And also there's e-commerce like Amazon. And there's some arguments that you know, some big box retailers like Sears are a thing of the past. So maybe what happened to Sears, maybe that could happen to Costco if something changes and Costco is no longer providing, you know, the kinds of things that people want or if they raise prices too much. And also if just out of convenience, what if everybody becomes brainwashed by Amazon Prime and is like, oh, we don't want to leave our house to drive 15 or 30 minutes to the nearest Costco. We want delivery in the next one to two hours from Amazon only. And then that's it because Amazon does have more members than Costco does. But you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best deal from Costco too? And also from Amazon. So you have to compare and contrast which uh, place is kind of giving you a better deal. Sometimes, you know, there's always merits to both. Neither is the best necessarily, but of course I am somewhat biased toward Costco and I like it more honestly than Amazon. But that aside, there could be potential threats to Costco's business. And also uh, one example that Charlie Munger said was that 
Costco could be a victim of its own success someday. And everybody has realized that Costco is a really great company. And even Charlie said at the Daily Journal annual meeting on February 15 this year, 2023, he said that, you know, Costco is a damn near perfect business. And it, it's funny for him to say that because there's almost nothing that can bring down Costco, except if it's just being overbid now in terms of its stock. And he said that it's currently trading at 40 times earnings. And, you know, even in the more recent years, he said that he wouldn't buy Costco at these levels that it's being traded at right now. So as much as I love Costco, maybe it's not such a good investment case right now, just because it's it's too overvalued, perhaps. So maybe that in and of itself, as wonderful as a business is, it's not worth an infinite price. And so, you know, those are kinds of things that we have to keep in mind is that no matter how much you love it, like I don't own any Costco right now, I would love to own Costco, but I still think it's a little too expensive for my preference. So, you know, I have to wait until maybe Costco goes on sale someday. But in the meantime, I'll just be, you know, a consumer for now, but I would love to be an investor in Costco. So that's part of, you know, the inversion case for me in Costco right now. Yeah, exactly. And for something like you mentioned there, Michelle, it's great to have actually a mastermind group, a group of people that you can meet with and present your, your case uh, about Costco, for example. The group can tell you what they think about your investment. So a mastermind can be super strong. If you have any biases, they're able to actually you know, highlight that for you, or maybe they know something about the company or the industry. Because the reason why we're also inverting is because we don't want to lose our hard-earned money. We're business professionals. We've worked hard for our money, and we don't want to lose the money when we invest. So we want to make sure that we only invest in wonderful businesses that are winners. And that's why we're we're doing all of this. And, you know, in the past, I've experienced like Peloton, for example, which is a incredibly popular company because of the app, but where the business isn't super wonderful. So, you know, when, when going through the checklist, you might have a bias towards Peloton because you really love the product and it's kind of compromising other things, at least, you know, how peloton is today in the future who knows where the company is going mm -hmm. i can just speak of what has happened in the past and which is not very wonderful <laughs> potentially new management could completely turn it around but as the type of investors we are we definitely want to see good track record for a good amount of time and this is where you might have to pause and say well you know i, I really love the product but honestly it's, it's not a wonderful business and it can be incredibly hard because you might have spent a lot of time, you might really enjoy the product and then you discover, okay, it's not as wonderful as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But again, think about your hard-earned money and that you don't want to lose money, but you want your money to grow. Right. And, and you know, the case about Peloton too is they sort of like were growing so fast and they were trying to produce more of those bikes that were very expensive and they were falling behind schedule and there was just so much demand during the pandemic years and they they kind of like almost grew too fast for their own good and it it sort of they they kind of imploded because they didn't maybe have proper processes to grow in a scalable way 
and they were such a new company. So like you, like we've talked about, Sina, is like we look for companies that have been around for at least 10 years and we can see the financial data for them and we can study their track record over time to see how do they perform over a longer period of time because Peloton, you know, became too popular too fast. And it's like, you know, like a shooting star, it like burned out. So yeah, but also management in Peloton mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. sorry, but yeah, well, how to say this nicely, they they really, you know, took out a lot of money from Peloton to, to get paid mm -hmm. for for the extraordinary success the company had. And that's also definitely something when you walk through management to just, you know, make sure to check management, how invested they are, but also what do they actually pay themselves? Mm -hmm. Does the CEO have a, a high paycheck? Right. And are they investing back into the company by buying the company stock or are they just taking advantage of like stock incentives, like options and so on, like, you know, kind of taking more money out of the company than they're kind of investing back into it. Absolutely. Once you've asked yourself that second question and you found, let's say in the Costco example, that you're you're comfortable moving on to the very last question on your checklist, then the last thing you need to ask yourself is, with these risks in mind, this is why I still believe that this company will win. And now you have to kind of flip back again. So you take all the points that you found in question one and two. You found, you know, when the stock price fell and maybe something about KPIs, why a competitor fails, etc. And then you write down why you think this business will not fail and fall into some of these traps you and, and risks that you just described. And these steps really require that you read the annual reports of the company and you listen in on earnings calls and everything you've done up until now with your checklist will help you answer this last question. So you want to study and build your whole case with the checklist because then question number three should be easier to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you've done the hard work and, you know, like one thing I've, I've witnessed with Costco is that it's pretty recession proof. Like even during the worst of the pandemic, people were still lining up with all the shopping carts, snaking around the building, outside of the building in super long lines just to get into the Costco. So like Costco has proven that their dominance, like they're not going out of fashion, not even a pandemic can hold the people back from Costco. So, you know, that that is a to me a strong sign of Costco's dominance in this area of providing really great quality stuff like uh, at bulk prices and um, at low prices. So it's pretty amazing that they've been able to do that. And you can see that proven out, like Sina said, in the financial performance. Like if you look at the 10K, you'll see the increased cash flows and increased earnings. Like yeah, there's a lot of markers that can, you know, back up what you're seeing happening in real life and also on on the balance sheet and income and cash flow statements, what is is being demonstrated there? Yeah, exactly. But uh, that was it. That was the checklist uh, for me. Doing this work, it can take a weekend if it's something I'm really motivated to do, or if it's a company where I think it's interesting, but I'm not necessarily super motivated. Then it takes a lot longer. 
How about you, Michelle? Do you know how, how long time does it take for you to build a case? I know it's a difficult question, but just so listeners who might feel very overwhelmed now mm -hmm. know how much time they should spend putting into this. Yeah, so I think overall, when I'm going through this whole checklist, I try to take it organically, like take as much time as I need and spend maybe a few weeks gradually building up uh, the answers to some of these checklist items because, you know, we're all busy. We have jobs and families and uh, real life. So, you know, it, it, it can be whenever you find the time. So it can take me sometimes a few weeks between reading the reports, like the annual and quarterly reports, and then online articles about a company. And then I'm building out my spreadsheets with calculations and facts. And I, I have like matrix tables that I create of, you know, some of the investment cases, like let's say the invest investment case for the company and also the investment case against the company. And then I do another column and say, this is the rebuttal to the inversion case of why I shouldn't invest. And then I try to come up with an argument as to actually the company will prevail over that potential uh, weakness. So, you know, you, you can take as much time as you need to build out whatever kinds of documents and I like using spreadsheets to be able to answer these questions. So, you know, it's uh, it can take a while, but like I think you will feel more reassured if you take the time to properly try to study something as much as you can and make sure you fully understand and you think it's part of your circle of competence rather than, you know, just reading about it for uh, an hour and then you immediately buy the stock. That might not be the the wisest thing to do. So, you know, I would encourage people to take time. And and what what about you, Sina? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. No, I 100% agree. And it's actually something that can be really gratifying to do. Like you say, over time, just take your time and, and collect information over time. And I have even students from my workshop who wrote me that, you know, when they first heard that they should read an annual, annual report, they never thought that they would ever do it. But now they actually enjoyed it. And I really loved getting that message. That was super awesome. So even though it sounds like a lot, it actually can be quite joyful. All right. Right. That's awesome. So it's time to say goodbye for now. Thank you so much for listening in. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Till next time. If you enjoyed the show and found the content informational, we would be super grateful if you would leave us a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you automatically get new episodes in your feed. We publish a new show every Tuesday. The contents of the Investing Mastermind podcast are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this is investing advice. And if you need help in your personal situation, please consult with a professional.